Well, Jay, it has been a year. We have talked about AI so much, and oh, it's yeah. been on everybody's mind, everybody's, the tip of everybody's tongue. Mm-hmm. And it's what a great way to wrap up the year with this interview with our good friend, Bobby Osinski. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're such big fans of Bobby Osinski and his, uh, you know, his Music 3.0 blog, his Inner Circle podcast, which just uh, hit 500 episodes. Congratulations, Bobby. Yeah, but what we're wonderful. talking about today is this book called The Musician's AI Handbook. And it is absolutely fantastic. Um, If you don't know uh, Bobby, he's an engineer, mixer, producer, author of 25 books on music and the music business and production and engineering. He's an educator, uh, a coach. I even took his AI workshop. Uh, Really great stuff. But as you said, AI has been on everybody's minds. We've been talking about it almost every week. And what Bobby does, which is different than most folks, is he goes and tries out these different platforms. He uses them. It's really cool. Absolutely. He's been a go-to resource for us. And, you know, I think there's there's a lot of fear uh, in the marketplace about this and a lot of questions about it. And he really breaks it down to what's working, what's not, what to know about it. And again, we talk about these valuable resources that are on our shelves that everybody should have on their shelf as well. And the Musician's AI Handbook is definitely one of them. Yeah. So without further ado, here's Bobby Osinski, a special uh, episode of the Your Morning Coffee podcast. Let it roll. Stand by for transmission. This is London Calling. Wake up! Your morning coffee, the weekly music news for the new music business. It's the highly curated, agitated, advocated, moderated, and liberated digital music information that you need to know. We are your digital music authority. Now, from our studios in Hollywood, California, here's your hosts, Jay Gilbert and Mike Etchart. Bobby, thanks so much for taking time out of your busy day. Always a pleasure to talk with you. Mike and I are just uh, blown away at your uh, Musician's AI Handbook. It's so timely. It's like the hottest thing right now. Everybody's talking about it. There's a lot of misinformation about it. There's a lot of fear about AI. Um, but first of all, thanks for joining us. And second of all, um, I, I love that you kind of kick off the book by saying, did AI write this book? <laughs> which I thought it sort of put people at ease right away. But one of the first things you talk about in the book, and I think it's so important, is we're using AI right now. Everybody's using AI for a lot of different things. Talk about that a little bit. Well, first of all, thank you guys for having me. 
Uh, it's always a pleasure to speak with you. Um, yeah, for years we've been using AI and not even realizing it. And I think in the book I mentioned that it's been around really since the the, the early 60s, late, late 50s, early 60s, in one form or another, expert systems as they were used they used to be called. But, uh, you know, considering that uh, you open up your phone with facial recognition, usually, um, you do so much with facial recognition these days, um, you get in your car and you use Waze or any navigation system, and that's AI because it's changing the routes as the traffic gets worse or better. So that's just a, a couple of places we've been using it. And, of course, online, everywhere, it's always been in the background and you haven't noticed it. It's only now that it's coming to the forefront and it's become a big buzzword yeah. more than anything. So everybody, every manufacturer is now, and developer is now using AI and they, they're saying that in their marketing. A lot of it has to do with uh, financial as well because they can get more money. Yeah. <laughs> I hear this over, over and over actually from, from startups that are saying, if this isn't AI, but if we say it's AI, they'll throw money at us. Interesting. <laughs> I think one of the, you know, Jay and I have talked about this on the podcast. It's such a broad topic when you say AI, you know, well, what are you talking about? One of the things I like about, about the handbook is you divide it into three different parts. Talk a little bit about the buckets that you are putting these different AI products in. Well, when it comes to music anyway, there's uh, we're using it in quite a number of areas. And when people think of AI and they get frightened of it, they think of one thing, and usually it's because it's been hyped. And it's usually music composition is what freaks out musicians because they think it's so easy that you can, you can just go in and type, uh, write a song like John Lennon, and it's going to come out like that. And it doesn't work that way. But what I try to do is divide it into sections that make sense to a creator, a musical creator, which is composition, which is production, which is audio, mixing, mastering. It's very good at mastering. And then finally we get into promotion. Promotion, again, is several small areas, uh, AI making, making um, videos for you, graphics, and then finally, helping well, branding, helping you promote your music, then by helping you write uh, uh, plans for releases and uh, plans for touring, merch, things like that. Yeah. You know, um, one of the things I learned in your workshop is that, you know, AI is just a tool that you use alongside of other things, and that a lot of what is generated uh, by AI, and I'm just talking about like generative AI, isn't really usable. Maybe I think you had mentioned something like 10% that it takes a lot more work. It's just another tool. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, that actually came from databots. <clears throat> databots make custom AIs for, let's just say, high level acts, acts that have made, I'm talking about musical acts that have done fairly well and they want to jump into AI and Databots makes a custom one for them where they could actually crank out albums, AI albums based on their music. So this is a company that's very, very um, informed about how all this works. And their claim is it takes a lot of work even when you have this custom 
training data set. So um, they say that less than 10% of the output that you get, especially when it comes to music composition, is useful. I've found that as well. Whenever I've gone in and tried to write something, it takes a lot of time. And it takes the time where you go, you know what, I just could have done this the traditional way and it would have been faster and probably better. <laughs> <laughs> now, if if you're not... If you're not to the level of a creator where you can do something like that, then of course it's really valuable because you can get places that you could never go otherwise. But if you if you know how to do this, then it, I don't want to say it's limited value because there's always something that you could use in a way to help you and help things go faster. But the composition aspect is probably not one of them. Um, one of the things that you, you kind of mentioned is that there have been a lot of technologies along the way for, for music creation and a lot of sort of hysteria a, attached to new technologies, synthesizers, sampling. Um, but it does seem like in, in this case, we're, we're kind of moving through the, if you will, stages of grief, but, but we're getting to some of the business answers more quickly. It seems like to me, like we're really... Uh, pretty much ahead of the game now, or, or at least starting to lay some of the groundwork for some of the rules and laws and copyright things. Is it your sense also that we're we're moving pretty fast with working out some of the, let's just say business uh, business issues that are coming up? Yeah, this is actually going to help copyright in a lot of ways because, uh, as you know, there hasn't been a change in the Copyright Act since 1998 and things have moved quickly technology has moved quickly since then so really copyright doesn't cover as much in the detail it needs to cover in our digital world today and ai is kind of forcing the hand i think somewhat now it's interesting because in the last year it's moved very very quickly there's been numerous court cases that have come out that have clarified things uh, the Copyright Board has actually come out with rulings that have clarified things as well. And now we're starting to see IP attorneys, and I'm talking about high-level IP attorneys, come out with opinions on how this should work that are going to influence the courts. So I think we're going to see in the next, really the next six months to a year, things shake out somewhat. Whether, whether they will become laws, uh, that's another question but they'll become precedents that will be used in court. You know, one of the things that AI does that I still think is like voodoo or witchcraft is where it can take a stereo master and break it up into stems. It, it boggles my mind, you know, these companies like Moises and Audio Shake. Is it, has it gotten to the point where you can take, let's say, an old recording that you only have a stereo master for break it up into stems and create like maybe a Sony 360 or a Dolby Atmos or other type mixes and it actually works? Are we there yet? Uh, yes and no. Um, on the normal consumer platforms that you don't have to pay much for, you're limited and you're limited by sound quality as well. So the better the sound quality, the easier it is for that to happen. But that being said, usually you're limited in a number of stems that it will separate, uh, four or five. It doesn't go much beyond that, usually. Now, when you go to the level of Peter Jackson's technology, which is, you know, leaps and bounds beyond that, well, then, yes, all that's possible. 
I was privileged to go to a playback at EMI for the Beatles' Revolver. Giles Martin was there who had done the mix, and he explained everything. And I have to say that they went from... there. In many cases, they were taking a mono track that had all four Beatles on, and not only were they separating all four out, all four instruments out, they were even going to the drum track and pulling snares and kicks out. Wow. Out of a mono track. Unreal. It sounded fantastic. So, you know, but again, that's the technology that I, I think you have to be part of EMI to even have access to it if you have the budget. <laughs> wow. But it is stunning, you know, and we saw the the Get Back movie where they, they just parsed out the, to the conversation John and Paul were having. And it's remarkable. And, and Jay and I have talked about this uh, many times, you know, when, when we were both at Universal, we were looking to do certain things for um, for surround sound, for SACD or DVD audio. And, you know, oftentimes you go to the vaults and some of the tapes are missing, you know, and, and that kind of puts the that then anyway, that put the complete kibosh on it. Uh, but now there's hope, I suppose, which is which is pretty remarkable. And, and it, I assume it's going to get better and cheaper. It seems to. I mean, there's lots of, besides music, there's um, at least one other use case that I can think of, and that's with movies. Because sometimes what happens when a movie's reissued, they can't get the rights, or the rights are too expensive for music. So they'll have to replace it all. Mm -hmm. So this is a way to strip it all out and able be able to do it. So there's a, comp a couple of companies that specialize in that. So, you know, this is on, a, on another level, again, where the technology is, you know, sort of where most musicians don't want to go or can't afford to go. Is right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You know, one of the things I really loved about your, your book is that you tried this stuff. You went in and subscribed or, you know, went into these platforms and, and tried them all. So I felt like I was standing on the shoulders of giants, like I could just <clears throat> benefit from all of your work going in and testing this stuff. Did you get surprised by anything? Were there any things that you went in and went, wow, this is really, really special? Yes. I Well, first of all, yes, I did try everything. And I must say it was, it was tedious and time consuming. <laughs> and, and as a result, this is probably the most difficult book that I've ever written, only because of the research involved in it. What I found a lot of times in in delving into this was what you wouldn't really think of, first of all. And it was that I would always read the terms and conditions mm -hmm. before I do it. And a lot of times they were shocking, shocking in the limitations they were putting on you. So, for instance, a lot of times you'd have this technology, whatever it might be, and they'd say, well, we own the copyright and we're going to license it to you. And depending on how much you pay every month, that will depend on where you can use this. But in when I did the copyrights uh, chapter, I talked to a number of very high-level IP attorneys worldwide. And the consensus was none of these platforms actually have the right to do that. So at some point, someone's going, going, someone's going to come back at them and say, wait a second, uh, you say that you own the copyright, you can't. And the reason why is 
we've already determined that anything that's 100% generated by AI cannot be copywritten. So now there's a platform saying, you just generated this 100% by AI, but we own it. We own the copyright. So I would find that over and over. And so I went back to this team of copyright attorneys and said to them, look, this is what I'm finding. And to a person, they'd all say, yes, but that's because they haven't done the research and they don't even realize what they're doing or what they're offering. And it's going to come back to bite them. So that's one of the things that I found. And this is kind of throughout all these apps, especially like the, the startups that are more or less on a shoestring they haven't really delved into the copyright issue. I don't know if that answered your question, but, uh, you know, that's the, the one overwhelming, uh, overwhelming yeah. thing that really jumped out at me. Yeah. Wow. Um, you mentioned mastering. Talk a little bit about a, what mastering is and why AI is so, um, so helpful and useful for that process. And, and maybe that's one of the, the more smooth processes that, that it's working with. As with all the processes, there, it's really good at some things and not at others. But let me explain. Mastering, first of all, this a mastering engineer used to be called a transfer engineer because what they did is they transferred from a lacquer onto a record eventually or from a tape that went to... Um, to a record, to a vinyl record. And along the way, they began to add creative elements, EQ and compression, limiting, things like that. So then that became just instead of a straight process of just transferring, it became a creative process. And it became one of such high regard that there were careers made out of this, big careers by, by many mastering engineers. Bob Ludwig, Doug Sachs, and there's a lot of them. Sure, sure. Now, <clears throat> there's a an art to it, and the art comes with an album. Because generally speaking, there's an artist, even if you do all the songs in the same studio, they're all going to sound slightly different. They're all going to be different levels. So a mastering engineer is really good at going in and making all of these songs sound like they're coming from the same place and they're the same in tone they're the same in level the mastery engineer and this is especially difficult with the compilation album where there really are different songs from different artists and different producers and different studios and they really sound different and this is where a mastery engineer shines okay so now we jump forward the album isn't as important as it used to be and now we're talking more about single songs so now we're mastering single songs as opposed to the album. And this is where AI is really good. Because it will do, I don't want to say as good as a job, good a job, but nearly as good a job as a mastering engineer. And I've tested this as a matter of fact. And I have to say that it gets close. AI mastering gets really wow. close with it. Whether you do it online, and online is, is way better than it was five years ago. I never would have recommended it five years ago. And now I'm saying, yeah, you, you could do it. 
or you do it yourself using ozone or one of those ai mastering plugins the problem is there are tricks i shouldn't say it's a problem it's not you just have to know the tricks and the trick is it if you provide a really good reference track so in other words you, you like a uh, a luke holmes track you like um uh, lady gaga you like one of her tracks the sound of it well all you have to do is take that track and put it into any of the mastering services as a reference and then it looks at it and it says oh this is the way that the EQ should work this is the way the compression should work I'm just going to apply that onto your song that really works well Wow but if you don't use the reference then it's it's, it's good it's just not as good and the thing about it is everyone might think right off well there's copyright violation because I'm taking this song that's owned by you know whoever lady gaga and i'm uploading it no all it does is it takes a look at the frequency response takes a look at the um at the the compression that's being applied and it just extracts those elements and uses that it doesn't store the song so yeah that works especially well and i have to say it now i've taken a song that was done by a really good mastering engineer and i've used that as a reference and i've gotten the the from lander for instance and another one from ozone and then compared it to the master from the mastering engineer it's not quite as good but it's really close wow are there any other platforms that are really close maybe with lyric generation or melody generation or any other type that you felt were maybe not perfect but getting pretty close i thought lyric generation was really good but not for whole songs it's especially good if you're stuck and i need an idea for this verse or i really wish i could turn this phrase better I can say this better, or I need a word, another word. And it's really good for that. And and most songwriters are, you know, that's what they want anyway. They don't, unless you're just hopeless at writing lyrics. <laughs> and some <laughs> musicians are. In which case, you know, it will, and you just pick the platform, it doesn't matter. It will turn out something that's, pretty reasonable and maybe better than than what you can come up with if all you can do is moon june <laughs> you yeah. know that type of thing yeah so interesting uh you know having gone through all of these what things are, are what what things ended up or what platforms or what programs ended up in the bobby osinski toolbox oh. that you actually use now well ChatGPT, and uh, that's the most versatile of them all Quillbot, although, is now getting close. Quillbot is, I don't even, I don't know that I've put, that I put that in the book. I might have discovered it afterwards. And Quillbot uh, actually has leaped past ChatGPT in terms of popularity when you look at AI tools. It, and it's just an, kind of an easier way. I think it actually uses the, the ChatGPT engine, just a mm -hmm. better interface. But as a whole, ChatGPT will do just about anything you want. And 
pretty soon, you know, we're getting into these multimodal large language models, uh, BARD being the latest one, or Gemini, which is the, the new Google version, where now you can talk to it. Now you can show it a picture, and it will figure things out from that. It doesn't have to be just text. So now they're all going that way, and that will you know, make it easier. I did now. I have to say, as much as I like ChatGPT for things, I wouldn't always use just one. Uh, and usually it's two or three. I'd go between Bing AI and Bard, and just see the results I would get. And sometimes one would win, and sometimes the other would win, and sometimes the third one would win. So and and there is plus and minuses to all of them. So th this is just the normal things that I do, for instance, normal writing. Um, I did use uh, AI to edit my book instead of an editor. <laughs> and it was really good for that. Oh, interesting. Wow. So what I, what I did was I would, I would insert a, a, or input a portion of a chapter and usually there are limitations to how much you could put in, which is why I didn't put the whole book in or a chapter at a time. And I would ask it to either find any mistakes that it could find, you know, grammar-wise or um, spelling mistakes that maybe I overlooked. Or and because even though you have a spell checker, sometimes you can go past it and not mm -hmm. see it. Um, and then I also asked it to find places that maybe can be explained more clearly than what I did. And sometimes it came up with something that was way better, and other times it's like, no, oh, I like what I had. But I have to say that the text that came out was super clean. When you upload a book to Amazon, Amazon does several checks on it. And one is it will go through and it will find layout problems and it will find grammar problems and spelling mistakes. It will find all that stuff and it will mm -hmm. kick it back. So uh, this time it didn't kick anything back so, and it was pretty clean. So, it, wow. and, but. Again, it wasn't all always ChatGPT. Sometimes I'd go over to Bard and, and try it over there and see if there's something better. Yeah. So for somebody who spends so much time in the studio, like you do, talk about AI audio plugins for those who don't know what a plugin is, what it does, and how does AI help when it comes to audio plugins? I'm glad you went there because that was the second place I was going to go. Um, the audio plugins are good, but unsophisticated as compared to the plugins that like ChatGPT and, and the consumerized plugins. Mostly because they're, as we used to call them, expert systems that just do this one thing only. In the case of an EQ plugin. So what is a plugin? A plugin is giving you added versatility, added processing, uh, another flavor for instance, and there's already a, an equalizer and a compressor, you know, built into your digital audio workstation. And this will just give you another version that might sound better, might work better, might, um, might be easier to use. So, and obviously you're paying for that, but not too much. Now the AI ones make it so just about anybody can go in and hit a learn button 
play eight seconds of the music, and it will figure out what the settings are supposed to be, which sounds like magic. And many times it is. If you were a non-professional, this is fantastic, because it'll go in and will do all that stuff for you. If you're a professional, you go, okay, got me in the ballpark. I can, I can take it from here. Take it here. So, it, you know, there's that dichotomy of, depending where you are in, in your skill set, this is either fantastic for you or it's like, eh, okay, it's okay. Now, we can go another step on this where it's especially good and it's really good for pros. And it's noise reduction, first of all, fantastic at noise reduction. There are better ones coming out every single day. And uh, uh, separation. Uh, track separation excellent at that and the other thing that's coming out that I think that more and more musicians will get behind is virtual vocalists so virtual vocalist is okay I'm trying to croak out this this song and I'm not a singer but I know what I want so I can hire a singer for X amount of dollars it's a pain I have to go record it you know whatever or I can just go up to Solaris or you know, one of those and pick a vocalist, upload my track and there we go. The vocalist is going to sing it. And it's going to sing it in tune, you know, with um, <laughs> better than I could. So we're seeing more and more, and, and this is legal by the way, because these, these singers have licensed their voice. And right. they're getting some money back on this. So it's not like there's any copyright problems. You're not getting Elton John <laughs> or anybody like that. So, But I think that's going to be a place where a lot of songwriters are going to go. I know they are already. There's there's a whole cadre of, of players. And one of the reasons why they're doing it, for instance, is I want this song for, uh, you know, again, Lady Gaga. Let me find someone that sounds like Lady Gaga so, you know, she can instantly hear what this sounds like. So that that's happening already. Yeah. And in that scenario, do you still need to lay down a vocal track, whether it's good or bad, and then and then layer on top of that? Or 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 do you can you type in a melody or or key in a melody and and then drop it in that way? How how does that how do you apply those those virtual vocalists? Yeah, you could do it either way actually. Uh you can just sing it in and just take that vocal track and then it will sing it for you only better. So let's talk a little bit about uh, some of the outside of recording, some of those other creative things that you talk about in the book, like video creation or image creation. I played around with some of them and I've had a lot of fun where you can do a text prompt and it'll create something. Sometimes they're not so good and sometimes they're amazing. Talk about your experience playing with those tools. The... Video ones, I think, hold a lot of promise, especially for someone that's not skilled in doing videos and just can't afford to pay for it. Um, Rotor Video is the one that really came to my attention a couple years ago, and it's kind of a go-to, but I don't know that it's the best one. Caliber is pretty good. And there's, you know, dozens of them now that you can go to. But the difference is you want one that specializes in music videos, and the reason why is they know how to cut to the beat. 
where if you just get you know an an industrial one let's say uh, unless they have a feature that's for a music video then you might not get what you want but there are a number of different ways to do it there's you know theme based and template based and the difference is one is a little more flexible than the other but needs a little more a little more of your input and you know the other side of this is if you upload some graphics even some of your own short videos and it will incorporate all that and all of a sudden it's it becomes your brand as well so you know they're particularly good i have to say i was on a a cruise and i was writing the book i was finishing the book and there's there's not many television channels on a cruise ship but there's always a music video one so i had the the music video one kind of on the background and i saw and it was obviously a um ai generated music video and i watched it and i thought oh this is pretty good and then after 20 seconds i thought okay this is kind of boring because it was the same thing it was just kind of morphing slowly and it just continued to morph for three minutes and 30 seconds (laughs) (laughs) and i was like okay you need more than that to make it work so again you have to kind of use good editing techniques and yeah fast edits is what we're looking for today well you know moving forward though bobby so we've talked about mastering we've talked about book editing so so these ai really is a challenge to these professions are are there any any other other professions that a lot of these tools could truly kind of replace or take over I think one is production music. Production music is music that goes behind videos, for instance, YouTube videos. And it's just um, incidental music that you don't concentrate on. It's just something there to keep everything going. Or on television, on on some of the shows, um, I'm trying to think of an example. They show you how, how it works. And as they're showing you how it works, there, there's music behind it. Well. What happens is that music is sort of bland and it has to be bland. You don't want to take your attention away from the screen. And AI is really good at doing bland music. (laughs) (laughs) So I think that that, if you do, you know, that kind of industrial music, that kind of production music, that might be a problem because AI is good at it. Yeah. Interesting. Well, and a lot of major labels have, have invested in these catalogs of, as you call it, industrial music, but sort of, you know, just kind of background music that is relatively inexpensive to license. Yeah. But if it's, if you can create yourself, if you're a director or a video creator, that I can see challenges there. Yeah. Yeah. So it's especially good there. Uh, it's graphics and you guys have played with it. You yeah. know that it's hit or miss. Yeah, you know, you can come up with something right off and go, this is fantastic. And then you can play for a half hour and go, "Uh, that's not quite what I was looking for. Mm -hmm. And even if you know the tricks, the prompting tricks and everything, it still might take some time and you'll still might go, I'll go try it on another platform. Yeah. So uh, I've still been, I'm still looking for the ideal graphics platform. I keep on going back and forth. Mid journey always comes up with something good, but mid journey is a pain to use because of discord. Yeah, you have to be in a Discord group, and I, I personally don't like that. Yeah, 
Yeah. And I imagine, look, some of this stuff's been around a week and a half. You know, it's going to get better over time. One of the areas that interests me a lot in the book are your marketing tools, because as part of my job, you know, for example, targeted online ads, there's all of these new platforms out there who use AI to find your audience based on certain attributes. And we're finding, you know, like there's this old joke in advertising, you know, half my advertising doesn't work. I just don't know which half. And now with some of these tools, we're really seeing uh, a connection with, with those things. Were there any marketing tools that you thought were pretty cool? I didn't go down that rabbit hole, to be honest with you. I know it's, um, I know that's what's happening. And I think that's going to be incorporated in every advertising platform now. Yeah. Uh, if it isn't already. So, but what I think will happen is it will blend into the background and it'll become, instead of saying AI, this is AI powered, you know, it'll just be a co-pilot. A co-pilot is a little less hypey, I think, <laughs> but that's, that's the future of it. Yeah. Uh, we're seeing co-pilot already. You know, yeah. Microsoft has their co-pilot, but that will be more and more, or assistant Oh, speaking of which, so, you know, talking about using it already, when you go to the, the chat bots, you know, how can I help you? You go on a website and, and it's it pops up in the side. How can I help you? Well, that's an AI, a little AI that, that's figuring it out with and just looking at the most common questions. Yeah. You know what I'd like to see you do, Bobby? I don't know if you've looked into the com company Astral, but they took a hundred of our podcasts and they made like a little Your Morning Coffee GPT just based on those. They could take, you know, what have you written? 25 books. You know, They could take your books. They could take your podcast. They could take your blog. And then it could be a subscription thing where people can go in there and go, hey, Bobby, tell me about that thing. And it just draws from your body of work. You know, so it, there's some guardrails there. Uh, I have played with that and this is through, I, I have a company, marketing company that I work with called Kaifect and they're putting together an AI that would do that. So we've played with it. Uh, I wasn't happy with the results to be honest with you, but that was maybe, you know, their version of it. And I, to be honest with you, I haven't heard anything about it in a month. So yeah. <laughs> who knows, but I will check out Astral. It sounds pretty good. Yeah. I just think, you know, especially with what you do, there's this big body of work. Um, and I think the problem with chat GPT and other things is they're drawing from so many different sources that if we can sort of narrow that down, I think, you know, the accuracy and uh, the meaningfulness uh, increases. Sorry, Mike, what were you going to say? Oh, that's okay. Uh, I was just going to jump in and say, you know, we've got NAM coming up next month, uh, Bobby. And are there, are there some tools that are kind of maybe not ready for prime time yet but you're expecting to see some updates or or things that are going to really make some of these things at least you know something that you you view as quite valuable when you're doing the creative process either recording or writing well let's come back to audio plugins one of the interesting aspects of that is how limited they are now they're limited because they have to be and you know, let's just do this one thing equalization that's all we got to do figure this out and do really well but on a whole there's not many developers that are using ai there's a handful and one of the there's several reasons the big one is it costs a lot training costs a lot more than anything you can build an ai 
somewhat easily, but the training is expensive. So you need some deep pockets, and there's not many companies that audio developers that you know have those deep pockets. But I'm really waiting to see if now there are more that jump in, because when you look at what's available, it's limited. AI plugins. It's it's limited to just a few companies, and there's a few other another few that are now trying to get in and are using a different approach, which I kind of like. Instead of, for instance, uh, an equalizer, bass trouble, mid-range, they're coming up with something that's called spectral balancing, which is a dynamic equalizer that's looking at the signal on a microsecond by microsecond basis and adjusting and adjusting everything, not just bass, treble, mid, it's adjusting, you know, 27 bands. So that's all AI powered and that's coming to the forefront, which is kind of interesting. So I'm looking at that. The other thing is mixing technology. There's really isn't any mixing technology so far. The best is um, maybe eight tracks, 10, I think I saw one platform did. And even then they're just doing stems, stems being, Drums, bass, vocal, keyboards, guitars. And that's an easy way to do it, but it's not mixing as as we know it, as most people do it. So, and, and even then, it's balancing it up and it's not adding effects or any of the, the cool things that really make a track what it is when a good mixer gets their hands on it. So um, I'm looking to see if that's going to happen. There's already one company that's contacted me on a technology that they're putting together, that they're doing it, but I'm not so sure about their approach, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, Bobby, we could talk all day about this stuff. We really appreciate you taking the time out of your uh, busy day to, to talk with us. Tell people where they can learn more about the Inner Circle podcast, your blog, your work, your books. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, the easiest place is bobbyosinski.com. And from there, you can find my books and podcasts. And podcast is Bobby O Inner Circle. We just did um, number 500. Congratulations. I saw that. That's amazing. 500 episodes. <laughs> wow. Who would have thought? Wow. I mean, so when it first started, the only reason why it started, to be honest with you, is I was on another podcast. It was an audio roundtable podcast. Mm -hmm. It was on for quite a long time. And a guest wrote me and said, you should have your own podcast. I said, I don't have time for that. I said, look, I teach people how to do this. I will do it for you. All I have to do is, you know, do the production on it. So I said, okay. And that's what happened for the first hundred or so. <laughs> And then he got busy, and, and then I had to do the rest on my own, which is actually better. Yeah. But I was into it by that time, so I kept <laughs> on going. Yeah. yeah. Good for you. That's, that's a, that is quite a, you know, that's a. That's a, an accomplishment. Uh, yeah, for sure. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we're, we're big fans of, uh, of the blog. We love this book. We highly recommend this book. And the timing is perfect because every day, that's all people are talking about uh, is AI. And I just love that you've brought some sanity and some clarity uh, to all of this stuff. And I would imagine that you're going to have to update that book <laughs> at some point because it's changing so quickly. Oh, I'm glad you brought that up. I am promising that I'll do updates, but... 
updates i'll do print updates but in between for anybody that signs up follows the the links in the book i will provide um a newsletter with all the latest all the changes all the updates so wow. um that will be coming up in i think february we'll do awesome the, or, or end of july end of june end of uh, january sorry getting way ahead of myself <laughs> Bobby, that thanks again idea. man for for uh for coming on and talking with us uh, congratulations on a fantastic book um let's uh, keep the conversation going thanks jay thanks mike thank you bobby talk to you soon thanks you've been listening to your morning coffee the weekly music news program for the new music business Join Jay Gilbert and Mike Etchard next time for the digital music news you need to know.